All right. Good afternoon, everyone. When I said all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> It's a bad habit that PC is spreading to the entire preaching pastors. Whenever we pick up the mic, we say, all right. But, uh, oh, don't record that, by the way. Uh, thanks for that amazing recap, Rona. Uh, I think a lot of students had their breakthroughs and the feet washing and everything. Really powerful stories. And I want to encourage everyone to really grab a student and ask for their stories. I mean, 82 students were at the retreat, but then I'm sure there are 82 different testimonies that's going to come out of it. So really, like, eight minutes sharing isn't enough. So students, be ready to be harassed by all the questions. All right, open up and share your stories. It's really going to bless the entire community. So I want to encourage everyone want to ask and also answer. It's going to be really great uh, time of multiplication of testimonies. Um, my name is Myung Wa Choi. You can start the recording now. Is it on? Okay, good. Uh, my name is Myung Wa Choi. I'm one of the pastors and preaching pastors in New Philly. My official title is Executive Director of Community Life. So what I do is I turn strangers into sons. That's my major ministry. So if you are new to our church, please come uh, say hi to me. I would love to meet all of you. So yeah, please come say hi to me because I can find all of you, okay? So that's that. I'm going to jump into the word today. Uh, I... Personally, I'm very excited to preach this word, and I think it's very timely for not only just our members or leaders, but just in general for everyone. I really believe that different dimensions of this message is going to hit your heart, so get ready for that. It's going to be a really great word. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask them, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? And let me ask you guys this question to open it up. How many of you guys actually feel lonely? Come on. Some sisters, that's all you talk about. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. I'm going to start off by asking, you don't have to answer me in public like this, but have you ever felt lonely? Mm-hmm. I'm not alone here, right? I'm going to start. Hey, can, can I get some water, please? Yeah. I'm going to start off with the definition of an adjective lonely or the noun loneliness. Oxford Dictionary defines it as adjective sad because one has no friends or company. Very pathetic definition, right? And then another dictionary, Macmillan Dictionary, says unhappy. Because you are alone or because you have no friends. Again, very sad definition. And I looked up on multiple dictionaries and they all start with sad, unhappy, depressed, dissatisfied. It's all set of negative words. How many of you here enjoy feeling lonely? I love it when I feel lonely. <laughs> you know, none of you, right? And the, from a psychological, deeper perspective, I looked it up, and it says, I kind of read up about loneliness, how the psychologists, they view it. Loneliness is the distressing feeling that occurs when one's social relationships are perceived as being less satisfying than what is desired. So simply put, feeling lack or absence of intimacy equals feeling lonely. You guys agree? If you think about it, you can feel lonely even when you are surrounded in multitude of people. You could be at the largest hangout after church, but you could still feel very lonely. On the other hand, you may enjoy being alone and solitude even when you are physically alone. You know, Mark uh, chapter 5, 16, it says Jesus would go into the desert. He would separate himself and be alone and enjoy the solitude in the desert, right? So being alone isn't the same thing with being feeling lonely. Solitude and loneliness is two different things. So as long as you stay in the place of intimacy and being connected with the social circle of people, as long as you feel intimate with someone, you don't have to feel lonely. And um, as I was researching for this message, I came across this interesting like a website slash forum. It's called www.alonelylife.com. <laughs> I'm serious. 
And I'm not sharing this to laugh about them, the people that are posting or commenting, but I really felt like this website is like a lifeline for a lot of them. How lonely they must feel that they go to this like, website and on the forum they are like commenting and encouraging each other to not feel lonely, to try to run away from that loneliness that's, that's haunting them. You know, it's not for us to really laugh at, but I laughed at first too. But really to have compassion for them. And I really wanted to join and just comment on all of, all of those. And Jesus is with you, you know? <laughs> but this is one entry that I came across. Really well written by a man. His idea, I think, was a man forsaken. How depressing. But he wrote this definition of loneliness. This is the entry. I'm going to read it for you. It says, an emotional state in which a person experiences a powerful feeling of emptiness and isolation. Loneliness is a signal like hunger, thirst, or pain that something important for human survival is missing. Connecting with other people. Enforced loneliness, solitary confinement, quote-unquote, has been a punishment method throughout the history. You guys know about that, right? Solitary confinement is a, it's a severe punishment. People sometimes go crazy over like course of three days, you know, no human interaction. It is considered a form of torture. Lonely individuals have poor immune function, higher blood pressure, sleep less efficiently, and are more prone to heart diseases, arthritis, Alzheimer's disease as well. All proven. A lonely person who becomes ill is less likely to survive than one who has strong, close personal connections with others. Loneliness isn't just an emotion that passes by. It has effects of it. How many of you have felt lonely before? And so many crimes are committed and sins are committed and foolish decisions are made because one feels lonely. Loneliness is like the reason why ones go out and make foolish decisions about one's life. You know, in this society, the vulnerable ones are very prone to experience this kind of loneliness. You could think of uh, the privileged children, like the families, like single mom families, teenagers or uh, elderly that don't have anyone that's supporting them, disabled people. But do you know that foreigners are also one of the major groups that are prone to loneliness. How many foreigners do I have in this room? That this is not your home. More than half, majority of this room, you can put on your hands. Foreigners, you guys belong to this category that's very vulnerable to loneliness. Have you ever felt homesick? You just miss your mama's chicken soup, you know, when you're sick, especially? You know, I don't really know what chicken soup tastes like, but uh, <laughs> that's what people say. <laughs> oh, I just have a spoonful of my mom's chicken soup. That's going to make me feel better, but um, I don't know what that means. But <laughs> things like that, you know, homesick, like loneliness. You feel like nobody here understands you. You know, people mistreat you. People wrong you. You're all alone. Oh, so sad. You know, sad, unhappy, depressed, distressed because you feel isolated. Because you feel like you are cut off from the intimacy. That's loneliness. And how are you dealing with the emotion of loneliness? That is my question for you today. How are you handling it? How are you dealing with it? How do you face the feelings of loneliness? And how should we as people of God, respond to loneliness. That's what I'm going to get to. And let me tell you this. Your response to this actually determines the power of loneliness. It could be very strong in your life. It could be very weak in your life, depending on how you react, how you respond to it. You could make it actually strong enough to kill you. Some people serve with feeling lonely to depression, suicidal, so you can get the feeling of loneliness to kill you, or you can make it completely powerless and actually turn it for your good. So I'm going to talk about how important it is for us to respond to this feeling of loneliness. And I think everyone in this room is connecting to my heart and to the word of God. So
So you know, oh, I feel lonely. It means I need some intimacy. Pretty much the same thing. Oh, I'm so lonely. That means I need some intimacy in my life. You guys with me? It simply is a sign like this guy, Man Forsaken, wrote. It's like a sign, like a hunger, like a thirst that you need something for your survival. That's connection with other people. It's a sign that you need to get some intimate relationships. And I think it's important to know how I feel. Some people just completely ignore the fact that they are lonely. They try to just run away from the acknowledging of their feelings. But I think that's not the way it should be. You should acknowledge, oh man, I feel lonely. Then you feel lonely, you know? It's not, it's not like, no, this is a lie. I, I just have to shift. And I think that's a very unloving thing to say to someone that's feeling very lonely. You know, when you open up to your friend and, hey, I've been feeling just really lonely, and your friend just shift. That's a lie. <laughs> you know, you're going to feel even more lonely after hearing that. You know what I'm saying? So it's important for you to be honest with your feelings. Oh, I feel lonely. And however, Satan, not Satan, Satan, <laughs> Satan tells you to react certain way to this emotion. He recommends this, a quick fix. For example, like a drug. It, quick fix is a drug term, right? People, you know, I don't really know either, but drug. <laughs> and sex, alcohol, partying, clubbing, all these different things that could temporarily fill you with a worldly pleasure. I call it quick fix, right? When you feel lonely, some people just go outside and go buck wild, you know, with like partying and clubbing, whatever. But quick fix, you guys know that it never works. It comes back with the greater crash at the end. That's what my friends told me. <laughs> and I know some of you know by life experience. Uh huh. You guys test, yeah, yeah, right? What you need is not a temporary pleasure that's gonna fill you, but you, what you need is intimacy. You know, what Satan offers you is counterfeit. You know, this is a form of intimacy. No, it's not. No, it's not. Clubbing has no intimacy in it. You're like dancing with a whole bunch of strangers. And then you go home and you don't even remember their names, right? That's what I heard. But that, <laughs> that's a complete counterfeit, counterfeit intimacy. You know, what you need is not just being surrounded with a bunch of people or mindless fun. What you need is true Deep sense of intimacy. And there are bad pleasures as well. You guys know that pleasure isn't always good? For example, sex outside of marriage. That's a bad pleasure, okay? And it, it leaves you with more emptiness at the end. And maybe, maybe your quick fix isn't as dramatic as all these things that I mentioned. But these are the ones that I'm sure a majority of you will connect to. Um, excessive hangouts. Just because you feel empty. Let me just throw myself out there and see like what other people are doing and joining everything. Like just mindless hangout. Flirting. Mm -hmm. Enough said. Flirting. To feel that counterfeit intimacy, you know? You, you feel that attention coming to you. Or, you know, the mind game, you know, that makes you feel like you have someone, but you really don't have anyone, you know? Flirting. Or, like, New, like constant crushes, like liking this person, and then next week you like someone else, next week you like someone else, oh, he's cute, no, he's cuter, you know? That kind of pattern could also be a quick fix because you feel empty and lonely inside. Let me be real here. TV. When you just feel that emptiness, you want to run away from it, you just turn on TV. And then there are people dancing, K-pop, coming out. You know, you feel like, oh, I'm not alone anymore. There are people talking to me from the TV. You know, and you don't, because you don't want to think about it. That's a way of escape from the reality. But does that help you? When you turn it off, you're alone again. TV, computer games. Another thing, you know, you just, oh, let me just forget about everything and then just do some Diablo. I don't know, never played it. But that does not help you. Those are all forms of quick fix. That's not going to help you in the end. And if you are turning to these things to fill the void in your heart, you got it completely wrong. 
I'm sorry to say this, but you cannot blame all these people going crazy on drugs and alcoholism and all that. You're pretty much doing the same thing, but with a little bit of like a milder stuff. You know, quick fix will not last. It will not do you any good. And you get, you better get a better remedy for your loneliness. Let me get into this. Interestingly enough, though, let me go back to the forum that I found, A Lonely Life. They gave me so much insight. I was having a great time reading through all the um, <laughs> threads, you know, like people, one person writes about loneliness and then like 30 people comments, you know? And I was reading through some of them and then there was a post, what will take away my loneliness from life? That was the title of it and then there were all these people that commented on it and then this thread, interesting enough, all their answers were like this. You just gotta get married. Get a life partner, a close friend that lives nearby, very specific, a pet, get a pet. Um, have your own family. You know, when you have a kid, it's going to get better. So even those people know that quick fix doesn't work. You know, no one's recommending, oh, get, go, go get drunk, you know, go clubbing. No one's saying that. So even them, they know that quick fix is not going to work. But they were all saying all these stuff, but then... There's some truth in what they were saying. What I mean by that is Psalm 68, verse 6, it says, God sets the lonely in families. That's the first portion of the part. God sets the lonely in families. You know, family symbolizes a community of committed relationships. It's the group of people that's going to love on you relatively but unconditionally. You know, relationships that are in covenant, that's what family symbolizes. And people know that relationship is the key. Even the people on this website, they know, yeah, relationship is the key. But then you guys realize the common tendency when people feel lonely, they actually withdraw from people. They isolate themselves even more. You guys notice that tendency? People always fall into it. Satan, because Satan tells you, yo, you're lonely because nobody likes you. You're lonely because nobody cares about you. You're lonely because you really are not loved. People don't like spending time with you. You know, and then when you are lonely, all these lies could get into you so much easier than when you are strong. So he tries to keep you in the state of self-pity and depression. Yeah, right. Nobody cares about me. Yeah, right. I'm not loved. Yeah, right. I got to just stop trying and just somehow figure out my life on my own, you know. But he... Satan draws you further away from intimacy because even Satan knows that intimacy is the key. So what he tries to do is take you away from the intimacy and get you stay in that state of isolation. Hey, don't stop trying. You know, wait until they try. You know, all kinds of lies get into you and you want to just, yeah, I just want to be alone. But deep down, no, that's not what you need. That's not what you want. You want intimacy. Are you guys following me? But feeling lonely, we got to look at it from a different perspective. It's not for you to stay in the self-pity and depression, but it's actually a call to intimacy. When you feel lonely, it's not for us to just have, oh, I'm so lonely, but it's for us to be awakened to the fact that I need some intimacy in my life. It's just simply God is calling you to greater intimacy. Stop twisting it and think that nobody loves me. No, people love you. You just got to be more intentional with building relationships and experience deeper intimacy with the people that you're with. I think beginning of this year, Pastor Christian preached a powerful message called Intimacy Belongs in Covenant. Did I say that right? Some leaders? Intimacy Belongs in Covenant, right? Asking the wrong person. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just kidding, Peter. Intimacy. <laughs> I love him. It's okay. You know, we're tight. All right. Intimacy belongs in covenant. That was a great sermon by Pastor Christian. And he talked about how covenant is the key for a local church. And the church is the family that you will find intimacy. Because you can't find intimacy in the community where no one is trusting no one, no one is committed to no one, you can't find intimacy there. You can't trust anyone. You can't open up to anyone. No one tries to understand you. When there's covenant, 
and you are in that community together, there is intimacy. And I remember when I first came to JSCM, New Philly, before New Philly, what used to be called JSCM. And I remember 2005, I was freshman in college. I remember how lonely I felt every single Sunday. I dreaded the fact that service is ending right now. That, oh my gosh, I don't know where to go. I don't know who to join. I just felt so intensely lonely. And that was my pattern and my stronghold for, for a decade. Like, I come from a background of, you guys all know what Wangta is? What your students go through, uh, like ostracization, like people like bully you and stuff. I was a victim of Wangta back in my uh, middle school days and it was pretty severe. And after I got out of it, I just decided I'm never going to open my heart to friends again. So I was very cautious with relationships. But then deep inside, I was crying out for intimacy. I wanted to trust someone. I wanted to be intimate with someone. I needed friends. But then I put up that strong fit and said, I don't need friends. I'm afraid. I'm, I, have, I have so much fear inside. I appear strong, but I always feared when I'm alone in the room, no one cares my existence doesn't matter. If I die in my room, no one's ever going to find out kind of really like depressing thoughts, right? And I came from the background. So even at church, I used to feel so scared. Ah, oh, I feel so lonely. I feel like nobody likes me at this church. I just want somebody to reach out to me. That's where I was. And for me to really reflect upon how God took me on the journey of setting me free from the loneliness through people of God, just amazing. I remember one of the sisters that really uh, loved on me, her name is Mijang. She's not here today. She's in America. Mijang is one of the sisters that I can really be myself with. I don't have to be Pastor Myung-ha to her because she saw me when I was a baby believer and she saw me my translation, oh, not translation, transformation. She saw all of that, all the process. So she saw all of that so I could just be myself with her. And I remember at the beginning, she, she didn't like me. She, she told me that. She, she told me that. Oh, <laughs> She told me like you, you were like, I didn't like you, pretty much. I didn't like you. You were whatever. And I remember sensing that from her. Oh, she doesn't like me. You know, she's one of the unnies in the church, but she just doesn't like me. And I used to take it very personally because it was personal, right? And uh, I remember <laughs> later on, uh, our re- relationship really developed. And just looking back on the journey, um, relationship isn't always the easy easiest thing, you know? Relationship is difficult, guys. Let's really be real. It's not that easy. It takes time. It's, it's difficult. People will let you down. They will hurt you. People that are important to you, they will hurt you more than the people that don't count, really. You know, and, and if, you, if you ask anyone that left the church, like backsliders and Majority of them will say, I left church because of people. Not many people say, I left church because of God. They will say, because of people, because of relationships so difficult. And I remember how I was so thankful that I stuck through. And God really used these sisters to really love on me. Loved on an orphan that came uh, with a broken heart, closed heart, and how their love just melted down my heart. And I chose Mijang because she's not here. Because I don't want to cry. I don't want to be like PC. And you know, <laughs> oh, anyways, <laughs> I miss him. Uh, but you know, everyone goes through it. But what, where am I trying to get at is intimacy is found in the church, in the local church, the covenant community, where you're sitting at. This is the place of intimacy because there is covenant in this room. And um, I don't know, maybe some of you guys came from like a church that really jaded you, that really hurt you, that really caused you to close your heart to, to church in general. I don't know what kind of background or hurts you come from, but I can confidently say if you stay here long enough, you're going to 
You're going to testify like I do that this family is really full of love and grace. And they have arms that are long enough to embrace a girl like me. I was so broken and I was such a, you know, Mijong didn't like me, you know. But this church is a church of acceptance. And here really is the intimacy that you guys are longing for. And the fear of relationship really needs to be broken off. You know, the Bible doesn't teach us to be defensive in relationships. It doesn't tell us to protect your heart and be extra cautious because you don't know who's going to betray you, who's going to leave you. No, it doesn't say anything like that. It just says love. And it says love always trusts. And it always tells us to forgive. Forgive means that they're going to wrong you first, and then you're going to forgive. And then go back up and trust again. That's what the Bible says about our relationships. It never says, no, close your heart because you're going to get hurt. Be protected. Protect your own heart. No, it never says that. It says, get hurt. I will heal you. I will restore things. Reconciliation is for you. And then get back up and love again. Trust again. Go belong to that group again. That's how the word of God teaches us. You know, Jesus, if you think about him, Jesus, he loved he was loved, he loved. If you think about how he knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. He knew all these stuff that was going to come, but still he loved on his disciples. You know who ate right next to Jesus on the Last Supper? Judas. Judas was the one that was leaning on Jesus' Jesus's chest, eating together, knowing you're going to betray me like very shortly, but still Jesus chose to love because he knew, you know, because there is grace, forgiveness, reconciliation, and the spirit of God. Here, church is the place for intimacy. Where? The church. You will find intimacy here. You know, these past couple months personally were extremely difficult for me. People don't realize, but, um, you know, if you think about like pastors that are on the stage all the time, you think that they're always surrounded people, and we are. However, the contrast is pretty distinct. When 4 p.m. hits, everyone leaves the sanctuary. Um, million people that were coming to me for prayer, for sign-ups, and all these things, questions. After everyone leaves, there's that sense of, oh, I'm alone. You know, I struggled with it for the past couple months. I felt very isolated from this community. Uh, it was a difficult time. But once I realized... Yeah, I fell into that isolation and all the stuff that I talked about. That's where I learned it from, right? After two months of somewhat of isolating myself, cutting people off, um, I realized that God had plans for me, even through this. I realized that this is not pointless suffering. And I realized... I was leaning more toward the intentions of Satan rather than plans of God regarding this feeling of loneliness. And I had to face the problem and decide, okay, how am I going to respond to this? You know, am I going to go for a quick fix? Apparently not, right? I'm a pastor. Uh, <laughs> or what's my options, you know? Isolation. I did that for two months. It didn't change a single bit. I didn't help me at all. And then this revelation really hit me when I was crying out, God, my, my prayer was so child, 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 childish, childlike. More childish though. I, my, my cry was simple. I said, God, I need some friends. That, that was my prayer. God, I, I need some friends. I need some intimacy in my life. And, um, God really hit me with the revelation. He said, Myung-ha, the enemy wants to use it to harm you 
But I'm using it to call you into deeper intimacy. I'm awakening you to the needs so that you will get that intimacy. And I'll for sure provide the intimate relationships. For sure, I will use it to call you into deeper intimacy. And when I had it, when I heard his voice, I knew that's it. And you know the steps, I, I had to take the steps. I had to let people know. I had to be frank. I remember emailing my best friend and I said, I need you. I know you're married and all that. <laughs> but it wasn't like venting or out of bitterness, but it was because I wanted the relationship to be more intimate. I wanted it to get better that I had to confront her. Hey, I know you have your husband to turn to when things get difficult, but I don't. So I need you. That's real story, right? Yeah, you have him, but I don't. So I need you. And I need you to be more intentional with me. Come on, best friend. Let's make this better. We've been intentional. Last Sunday, I had dinner with her. Praise God. And I had to humble myself to ask for help. I had some difficult conversations with some uh, sisters on staff. I told them, hey, I need some help from you. I'm lonely. Like, I need you to be intentional with me. And I know there is intimacy in store for us. So why don't we do something about it, you know? <laughs> do I sound like a loser? No. I'm... <laughs> for help that I need. I need it for my survival. And there's nothing wrong with it. I'm seeking for deeper intimacy with people. People of God, let's invest in friendships. I mean, even Jesus had his inner circle. Yeah, he had the 12 disciples, but James, John, and Peter, it was the inner circle, you know, the, the, the men, I don't know. But, you know, Jesus even had the closer disciples with him. You know, and I'm not saying divide up, you are more closer and you are not in the circle. I'm not saying that, but invest into friendships and relationships that's key to you. If you know that, man, this relationship is from the Lord and this is good, I feel intimate with this person, go and initiate things. Don't just wait for each other to initiate stuff, but invest in those friendships. Skype with your friends. Don't let distance put that distance in your relationship, Skype with people. Take advantage of the technology. Talk to them. Look at their faces. And tell them, I need you. Korea is pretty difficult. <laughs> and I need your friendship. I need your support. Hey, I need more intimacy in my life. Be real. And this is what I really learned this season. So whenever I opened up to people, like a typical advice that I would get is this, oh, you just need to get married. And can I just be real with you? That's like the lamest advice I'll ever get. That's very lame. I'll just call it out. You know, God has provided intimacy for you right now in your season. In the very stage that you're in, in the very season that you're in, there is intimacy in your life. All the single ladies, marriage is not the answer. All the bachelors, marriage is not the answer. That's not the solution to your loneliness problem. And then let me tell you why. I'm like hitting the poppy right now. <laughs> you know, marriage is very intimate, I heard. <laughs> and it is a form of covenant for a lifetime. I'm not denying that. But however, if you are going to treat marriage as a solution to your loneliness... I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it's going to make your loneliness problem worse. Psychologists, they call it reliable attachment figure. For example, a spouse or your children, future children. They're there for you and all good, but it is for you to experience greater intimacy with them. But if, but if you are relying on it as an answer to your problem, what you are going to face at the end is, 
you know, like, what about until that point of marriage? What if your singlehood is a little longer than what you want it to be? Or a lot more longer? Or what if marriage never happens? Come on, are you stuck in loneliness forever? Is that what you're trying to say? If your advice for the single people, you just need to get married. Then up till that point you're stuck in loneliness or suck it up? Is that your advice? Are you saying that God failed providing intimacy for you in your singlehood? Are you saying that his goodness for you today is not enough? Are you saying that he's not meticulous enough that he missed? Ah, I forgot that man was lonely. No. You know, is God being late to rescue you from your, your, from your search for intimacy? You know, I don't know what you're trying to say. It makes no sense. And if you rely on your, your marriage to be the solution, this is what's going to happen after you get married. This is what I heard again. <laughs> some, some sister that's very wise, she's married, and she told me this. Hey, if you are dealing with loneliness problem, if you get married like that, it's only going to get worse. Because you will feel that loneliness even when you're aligned with your husband. Even though there is the person, but when you feel like your husband or your wife, your spouse doesn't understand you fully, and that's what you are banking on all your life, if I get married, everything will be solved. What if it doesn't happen? Then you are completely hopeless. What are you going to hope for now? Or oh, your children? What if your children fails you to, to meet that need? What are you going to do? You're completely hopeless then, you know? There's no intimacy in your life. You know, is that, you're trying to say, you know, if you get married like that, this is what's going to happen. Like, the wives that ask the questions kind of like, honey, you got to choose one. Is it me or Super Bowl? You know, like, so, so, in, like, depending on the husband so much that they don't even have their personal lives, intimate friendships. You know what I'm saying? It, you don't want to be a wife like that. You don't want a wife like that, man. <laughs> you know? You don't want wives like that. You know? And what I'm trying to say is marriage is not the answer. And seek the intimacy that's given for you for today. Because there is for sure one. And God surely has given you the people that you can have intimate relationships with now and today. You don't have to wait for something else to happen. My husband, my wife. You don't have to wait for your children. No, stop waiting. Intimacy has been given to you here right now. His goodness for today does not lack anything. He knows all your needs and it shall be fulfilled. Just open your eyes and look around, okay? And then back to this, the lonely life forum, okay? This one guy wrote one of the threads, how can I take away loneliness from my life? And this is what he wrote. I have a great life partner, but my loneliness and emptiness is still there. I think ultimately, sorry to disappoint y'all, nothing can remove it. That was his answer, right? And then I think he has a point. He's saying marriage is not the solution or you're having your own family, but the conclusion is twisted. It's, it's wrong. And let me take you to a story of a man that experienced the greatest form of loneliness ever in the history. His name is Jesus. We don't really associate feeling of loneliness with the Son of God, but let me walk you through this journey. This is what I was meditating on the past uh, Passion Week. You know, Jesus was, a, he was different growing up, right? He was a sinless boy, right? born into the world, and he, he, he lived, he grew up like we did, and he was just different. Can you imagine a kid that does not sin? Very bizarre to me. Like, I cannot imagine a little boy that does not sin. And I'm sure it looked very different than other kids in the town. You guys following me? Like, you know, and that's some sort of isolation. Oh, Jesus, you're so different than us, you know? And... His parents, you know, there's a story, I think, in Luke where his parents are going to Jerusalem or coming back from Jerusalem, and then Joseph and uh, his parents lose Jesus. They forget about him, and then they're like, oh, where's Jesus? Let's go find him. And then where do they find him? In the temple, right? And then Jesus says, 
Did you not know that I will be in my father's house? He says something very mature, right, as a young boy. <laughs> Did you not know that I will be in my father's house? You know, he's like preaching to his parents. Very different. And you can tell that as a young boy, he had such intimacy with God, with the Father. You know, even as a young boy, he knew that he was loved. He knew where he belonged to. Man, my relationship with the Father God, so tight, such oneness, you know, even as a young boy. And, and like, let's walk with him in this journey. And Jesus had his crew, right? He had his people. His crew consisted of 12 disciples or apostles, people call 12 people that he chose, and he was the leader, right? You know, every crew has kind of like a leader figure. Jesus was the leader. And then the 12 men were always with him, and then they were like, yeah, we're always together. And he even had the inner circle that he chose, the three men that I mentioned earlier. And then he had his group of friends. They, they did everything. The ministry was with them, right? But when the time got difficult, they turned away from Jesus and when he, this is one story that really shocked me. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 26. David, can you grab my Bible? Left it on the seat. Matthew chapter 6. This is when Jesus went to pray in the Geth, Gethsemane. Very hard to say. Yeah, Matthew chapter 26. Thank you. You, you looked it up quickly. <laughs> Chapter 26, verse 36. And let me read it for you. It's from ESV. It says, Then Jesus went with them, the disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And talking with him, taking with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He's opening up to the inner circle of his friends. He's, and then, then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. If you will put it into like a modern language that we will speak right now, Jesus pretty much opened up to his best friends, three, Hey, I feel like dying. I'm so, I'm having such a hard time, and I'm about to be betrayed and go to the cross. Yo, can you guys be with me? Can you guys pray with me? That's what he's saying. I'm so sad right now that I cannot contain it. Can you guys just be with me? And it goes on to say, verse 39, And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciple and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Can you imagine asking your best friends to just be with you when you're going through something extremely difficult? Hey, can you just be with me right now? I'm going through such a difficult time and I need you. And your friends are like, oh, sure, sure. And then they just fall asleep on you. And they're all playing video games on their iPhone. Something like that. Completely ignoring the needs of Jesus. And moving on. It says, and he came to the disciples. Oh, no. Verse, verse 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, you, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping. For their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again. He went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the, the, the hour is at hand. Hey, it's too late now. You know, he's saying, the hour is at hand. It's, it's now. You had three chances to be awake and be with me, but pretty much Jesus had to let them go. Can you imagine how he must have felt? My closest friends that I sold into for the past three years, they did everything together. These three men were present when others were not allowed in. Like all sorts of miracles and amazing memories. We are like, yeah, four of us together. And they all fell asleep on him. 
twice. When Jesus said, I feel like dying, guys. Could you just be with me? And while he was still speaking, so even before Jesus like, finishes his words, Judas came with the soldiers. And this actually was the hour that Jesus was arrested. Stay engaged, okay? Try to feel what Jesus must have felt, okay? And he, here, Judas came, verse 49, let's look at that. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Judas kissed him. Kiss back then was a very intimate sign of, like, intimate way of greeting one another, you know? So as a friend, Judas came up to Jesus and, hey, Rabbi! And to, like, a, our, our, like, a context, pretty much your, 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 your friend came and, hey, how are you doing? And hugged you. And that was a sign of betrayal. The man that I will hug, the man that I will kiss on the cheek is the one that you got to arrest. So Judas is betraying him with using a sign of intimacy. And it was Jesus' friend. It's one thing to be betrayed by your friend, but through what? Through, hey, man, how are you doing? And like, he's like, this is the one. Go get him. What kind of betrayal? It's, it's messed up. Completely messed up, right? And then Jesus, knowing everything, he calls, him, he calls him friend, even at that moment. After the kiss, Jesus says, friend, to what you came to do. And Peter, afterwards, fast forward, he got arrested like that. And Peter's the one that actually told Jesus, I will never betray you, I will die with you. I'll die for you. He was the one that was very zealous for Jesus, you know? Always the one that was the loudest. And, you know, Peter denies him three times. And even this was not just, no, I don't know him, and run away. It wasn't like that. The Bible tells us that Mark chapter 14 on the third time, someone asked him uh, by the fire, and hey, aren't you with G- Jesus? Aren't you one of them? And this verse says this, but he began to, Peter began to invoke a curse on himself and, and to swear. He started like getting really upset and denying like, no, I don't know him. Stop being like, you know, he, he used a curse word to emphasize that no, I, I, I don't know him. I have nothing to do with him. Like, he actually got angry in his denial. He said, I do not know this man of whom you speak, as he was swearing. And you could also imagine the crowd that welcomed him into the city. Hosanna, Hosanna, all those people that were cheering him on. All these people that gathered when he was healing the sick, they were the very ones that were shouting, crucify him. Crucify him. Let the other sinner go. Crucify Jesus. Can you imagine what Jesus must have felt? Hey, a couple days ago, you were with me. Hey, friends, where are you? And this past week, as you guys know, that it was a Passion Week. So this actually took place 2,000 some years ago in reality, right? And what God really highlighted to me was not the physical pain that Jesus went through. Yeah, the nails in his hands. Yeah, the crucifixion of it. But really what highlighted to me was his emotional pain and extreme form of loneliness and isolation. He took, he took everything fine. Up to this point, Jesus is to Jesus. He took it fine. But this is the one that, this is one that I must mention. Isolation from people he could handle. But the Father in heaven forsook him on the cross. If you read through the accounts, Jesus cries out right before he gives up his spirit. He, he, he calls out, Eloi, Eloi, sabachthani. It means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's the, 
I don't know if you guys noticed, but it's the first verse of Psalm 22. If you have your Bibles, turn there quickly. It's the most Christological psalm that you will ever find in the book of Psalms. So it's written in the Old Testament before Jesus' time, but this psalm is completely, totally talking about our Messiah and his death, his crucifixion. So if you could turn to Psalm chapter Psalm 22... Turn to the first verse. It goes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Same, same words that Jesus spoke on the cross. Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Go to verse 6. But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me and they mouth at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him for he delights in him. People are mocking. Those are exact words that Jesus heard on the cross. And let me turn to verse 14. Verse 14, it says this. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. Let me skip to 16. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. What does it sound like? Verse 18, they divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Exactly what happened to Jesus right before his crucifixion. This is talking about Jesus. And this is one thing that you need to realize. This isolation that Jesus suffered on the cross was completely foreign to him. What I mean by it is, even before the creation, from the beginning of time, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost were together. Them three were one, three in one. They were never separated. They never had to suffer any form of loneliness because they were one. Unity, oneness, intimacy, all came from the Trinity. And what happened at the cross is for the first time, the Son was separated from the Father. Tasted hell. He became the sin. Can you imagine going from complete oneness and intimacy with someone to complete isolation. You call and call and call, and he's not answering you. There's no rescue. You are hanging on the cross in shame and pain. No one answers you. Complete isolation, not just from people, not just from the crowd, not just from your close friends, but from the Father, from my very God. Why have you forsaken me, God? Can you imagine the pain and loneliness? Complete isolation. For the first time in the eternity, the father didn't come. He didn't rescue him on the spot. Left Jesus dying there just like that. Complete separation, isolation happened. Feeling of loneliness to the max. Nowhere his presence was found. Jesus took that isolation. Utter loneliness. So that you and I don't have to ever suffer that. Understand, because he was rejected completely, we are accepted completely. He was forsaken 100% completely by the Father that we can be embraced by him Totally, completely, absolutely, forever. You know, in Old Testament, the Spirit of God will come upon people. There are verses, the Spirit of God came on so-and-so. And there are verses that tells you the Spirit of God left so-and-so. So Holy Spirit wasn't something that they had access to all the time. Or did he stay there for, for a lifetime, forever? No didn't. It was not something that was guaranteed like we have here. How did that happen? It was through the cross. 
was because Jesus went through the complete separation, isolation, and loneliness that we can claim the verses like, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That actually means never. When it says nothing is able to separate you from the love of God, it actually means nothing. Not partially, because Jesus went through it completely. So that you and I don't ever have to suffer from isolation from the Father. Let me end with this. When Jesus came to this earth, his name was given by the angel. His name was Emmanuel. Everyone say Emmanuel. It means God with us. Jesus came to be with us. And after 33 years, after he was resurrected, he was taken up to heaven. He went back to the right hand of God. Then God came to be with us. And did he leave? No, he didn't. He left his spirit with us. And we call him the Holy Spirit. He didn't just come to be with us, guys. He's in us. What's more intimate? With us? In us? I think in is like more like oneness. Holy Spirit isn't a guest. He's not just visiting you, but he's a seal upon you. He's in you forever. The oneness can never be taken away by nothing that could happen in this life. No matter what happens in your friendships, no matter what happens in your families, no matter what happens to your life, the guarantee that he is with me, he is in me, can never be shaken. He became one with with us. And this is the truth. That you are never alone. And it's not because... It's not an easy thing to just say. It's, be, it's purchased. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Only because of Jesus that you are always with the Father. If he didn't go through the separation, if he didn't go through the extreme loneliness for you, then our intimacy with the Father, it's, it's not guaranteed. But it is now because of what Jesus went through. And because of that, I can confidently tell all of you that you are never alone. You are bound to intimacy. You cannot shake it off. You cannot tell him to leave you. Holy Spirit will not leave you. The Bible says he holds your right hand. And the image that I have of that verse is that he's not, we're not just holding hands together. The image that I have is his hand is over my hand. That I'm not able to get my hand out. He grabs my hand. He does not let me go. Even when I, I don't want you, God. No, he grabs my right hand. His left hand. He grabs my right hand. He does not let me go. It was secured through the loneliness that Jesus endured for all of us. When you feel lonely, encounter this truth again. Face the reality that no Holy Spirit is in me. His name is Emmanuel. Isolation, he went through it. That's not for me. When you feel lonely because of people, remember what Jesus had endured so that you don't have to repeat that. And with that truth, you respond to loneliness. You have no room in me. I'm not alone. I could be physically alone, but I'm not lonely. Get away from me, depression. Let's close in prayer. I want us to just take a brief moment to chew on this. Meditate on What was spoken to you? Um, I know a lot of people here, you don't have to look at me. Just close your eyes and focus on the Lord. A lot of people, even in this room, you guys go through phases of just feeling extremely lonely. And I don't think anyone is immune to that. But I want you guys to really allow this word 
to take hold of that loneliness and turn it into a call for intimacy. If you feel lonely, don't see it as, I'm not loved, no one cares. No, it's simply God is calling you for a season of intimacy with people and also with Him. The reality that He's with you and in you, let that overtake your feelings of emptiness and loneliness. Go back to the moments of feeling lonely and you just don't know where to turn to, who to call, where to go. Visit those memories and declare the truth that I'm never lonely. Isolation's been taken away from my life. I am always connected to the Father. Jesus, you were forsaken so that I will be accepted. Speak the truth over the situation. I want to invite some of the people to really take a stand, like make war against loneliness. I know we have a crowded sanctuary today, but I want you to take the step of faith to respond. So if you've been feeling isolated, lonely, forgotten, forsaken, I want you guys to actually stand to your feet as a declaration that you are not lonely. If you've been feeling that way, now is the time. Stand to your feet. We're just going to pray for you. In your relationship with people, with church, in your relationship with God, if you feel such distance, if you are in the self-pity, in the depression, hearing those lies and no one cares, those are not true. Stand to your feet so that truth will be declared over you. Even if you're a leader, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. I'm standing myself. If you've never if you've never had a personal relationship with Emmanuel, Jesus, they came for us. And if you would like to receive him into your heart, as your best friend forever also going to invite you to stand to your feet if you feel like I wanted Jesus in my life also going to invite you to stand Father I declare over the people that are standing and also the congregation that just heard this word. But I, Father, I declare that because of what you have taken away on the cross, these sons and daughters are not forgotten. They're not forsaken. Never will you leave them. Never will you forsake them. Nothing in this entire world is able to take away your love from them. God, I declare that they belong. God, I declare that they are loved. They are cared for. God, I declare that they are precious. God, I declare that your eyes are upon them. Father, I just break all the threats and power of loneliness in Jesus' name. I break it off of each person that is standing. Father, all the spirit of isolation be broken off in Jesus' name right now. God, I declare that every single person that is standing will enter into a new season of intimacy. 
God, you are calling them into a new season of greater and deeper intimacy. God, I declare a new level of intimacy with the people, with their family members, new level of intimacy with the Lord. God, I pray that you will meet them. You will encounter them, God. Father, we thank you that we are never to suffer from loneliness. We are so secure in your love. We thank you for what you had to endure on the cross. The separation that you went through. And we take it as our own. It's never for me. I will never be separated. I will never be isolated. I will never, I will never fall into that. So Father, we thank you for this revelation that you are with us and in us. Holy Spirit, continue to move in this room. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up and close with the song.